Hi, and welcome to the Mountain Collective Podcast. Um, hi, I'm Simon Dixon. I'm the co-founder of Dixon Baxi, a London-based agency working globally. And we create brands and design systems for companies all over the world, including Amazon, Netflix, uh, Warner Brothers, uh, football clubs. We do a lot of technology, lifestyle, entertainment. Uh, particularly good at connecting to large audiences. Um, we have a team of 50 people, uh, half of which from different parts of the world. Uh, based in uh, our studio in Old Street, uh, but as I say, working everywhere in the world. Yeah, super interesting, man. Like I've um, I've done a lot of research about your company, and uh, and it's it's really impressive. Like what you guys have done in such a short period of time, building uh, a brand, and and that's also where your expertise are at uh, building a brand. What can you um, add value to to our audience in terms of how to build a brand, especially in 2023, because it's, you know, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, we didn't have social media. We didn't have, you know, these kind of formats where you can uh, build a sort of, you know, personal brand or a company brand. But uh, obviously there are a lot of differences that happen between that time and now. Like what can you um, tell us about basically the journey from back then to how it, how it changed today? Yes, that's a, several questions at once. So, um, the, the agency's actually been going 22 years, so that's a, it's a long time. So it covers a lot of what you're talking about, which is it's a transition from basic uh, digital technologies into an interconnected social media landscape, um, very high-end um, generative technologies, um, globalization of how people communicate and connect with each other, um, applications, smartphones, and, and, and all of those things have basically changed our relationship with people. Mm -hmm. So you can create something now which everybody can see instantly. So that's what's so interesting about things. But the reciprocal part of that is that everyone is influenced by the same things at the same time. So finding meaning, distinction, authenticity, things that are original, potentially is a little bit harder because everything feels a little bit similar. So when we think about branding, uh, we're thinking about creating a relationship with the brand with its audience and trying to create something which is useful to people, fits into their lives, um, it helps them do what they need to do. And as I say, it's filled with meaning and ideas, but then those meaning and ideas are translated into design systems that when they show up for people, they're delightful and they're the experiences that help them do what they need to do. The people we serve, those millions of people around the world, um, they don't know we've done that, but they can feel it when you do it right. They can feel like it's easy to interact with it or it looks cool. Or it just feels like it suits their lifestyle, basically. Yeah, when you say feeling, it, does it has, what, what does it have to do? Like, is it a, a story that you tell that they can resonate to? Is it, what kind of feeling is that? It's a combination. So it is a narrative. So a brand is an idea or a promise that uh, you deliver to people and the company does that. So, you know, if it's Nike, um, their idea of just do it is, is, is self-motivational. It's an idea people will share, but it's also an individual idea. So it sets the tone for the relationship, but the, the clothing and the technologies they create 
deliver against that. The, the relationships they have with athletes deliver against that. They, the way they show up in the world, uh, the way they support uh, different communities delivers against that. So what you're looking for is what, what's the perspective, the point of view? Um, why is that useful and valuable to people? Um, how does that connect to their lives? Um, and then that's delivered through uh, voice, social media, design systems, language, uh, and and the ways that we interact. Because, you know, if, for example, you're getting an Uber, you don't care what the logo looks like. It's what, how quickly will you get the, the cab? Um, and that ease of journey is what makes Uber useful. If it's Deliveroo, will the food turn at one? Will it be something that's tasty? So that's the, the kind of promise. But the ease of how you use the application and the way that you feel about the brand is determined by that relationship and the, the style and feel and look of it as well. Right. So basically the, the functionality first and then the design follows. Yeah, and it's not just function, it's meaning. Because things can function very well. But if it's not useful to you or it's not interesting or it's not inspiring, so you need a comb combination of, um, depends what the brand is, to be honest with you, mm -hmm. you know, because some brands are more functional than others. So if you say you're doing a finance application, that clearly is about control of your money, your financial future, um, information, line of sight, things like that. If, if it's trainers or activity or fashion, then that's about lifestyle choices, what you want to wear, how you feel about it. If it's music, it's something else. So it depends on what the thing is. That helps determine that relationship. And then the design system and the brand should deliver against that, but also the peculiar distinction of that particular brand because Adidas is different to Nike, which is different to Puma because of the, the way they think about the world. Yeah, I think that's the biggest challenge, right? Like for for such an agency to to still find that gap to you know to to fill between different kinds of brands. So personally, to you, like, what inspires you when you are tackling a, a new challenge, a new design challenge? Very good question. Um, so a lot of the time when people talk about this, they're talking about inspiration. So my feeling with that is. You go out into the world, you experience life, music, fashion, you know, uh, hanging out, all the things you, you you would do. But for me, it's all at the back of my mind. And I draw on that subconsciously rather than literally. So I don't go to a gallery and go, I like that painting, I'd like to use it. But I might see a Rothko painting, then I might see a Warhol painting, then I might see a David Lynch movie, then I might read a book. And the aggregation of that, when I'm thinking creatively, might make me think differently. But when I think about brand building or creating design for, for people around the world, I think about them first. So I think about the audience first and I think about what they require from the relationship and what the brand is doing for them and then design against that. But of course, there is a personal part to it that you want to create something that is personally fulfilling. So there's a relationship between you as a creator and the things you like to make and then the way you'd like to make them for the people you make. And in between that is a client and the brand. So it's about that kind of triangle of relationships and finding a way that you can create things that are fulfilling for you. But in our case, we're designing for tens and hundreds of millions of people. So I want someone in Mexico and Japan and Los Angeles to enjoy what we create, even if they don't know we created it. So there's a balance between those worlds. Interesting like to, to notice like the stages the key stages and the research 
on the audience is is also quite key as 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 you mentioned so yeah. in that stage in that research stage uh, could you give us like a rough you know uh, estimation like how long that takes for yeah. for uh, in in relation to to the end result yeah so our projects in total take anywhere between six and 12 months sometimes 18 months um there's five main stages so the first stage um is is basically getting the project going so he's talking to client getting to know them challenging the brief figure out the context or the opportunity of the project then the second phase is insight gathering so that's immersing in the audience it's immersing in the brand it's immersing in the industry that they're in it's looking at cultural and behavioral and attitudinal shifts that might affect that um and it's just in a sense collecting um data and information so that from those insights we can look at uh, how to create the strategy and the relationship with people and then you turn that into a strategy so that strategy is basically a creative engine that drives um, what the business does for people and gives it a methodology and a way of communicating and serving people then you translate that into a design system which is really an ecosystem it's an interconnected design system that is in the real world it's in the digital world you can hear it you can touch it, you can feel it and it interacts and then the the last phase is the implementation so it's making it and testing it and making sure it works when it hits the world so the initial phase you talked about we might spend many many weeks uh, interviewing the client uh, talking to people who would use the brand researching uh, cultural shifts researching things that might affect their industry so that we have a suite of ideas um, that in a sense drive what we do and the more we immerse ourselves in the culture of the company the culture of the people they're serving so like if it's in finland for example the the context that finland is different to america for example if it's a global thing it's more to do with the habits and behaviors of many many different types of people but if you look at the audiences you're looking at the things they share as opposed to just the differences because you and i might come from very different backgrounds and we might come from very different places but we might share a similar affinity for certain things we might both like the same football club or we might both like the same music but if you based it on data and demographics because i'm much older than you you would assume we didn't but that's not always the case so we love to so the things that are underlying that's what you said so i'm very curious about the, the following questions which is a very personal question how can you actually connect to everyone without without it's not possible well, yeah, yeah, of course it is. It, it's, you, were, you can't connect to everybody because not everybody likes everything. Mm -hmm. So a brand is like a person, really, which is you'll have a range of relationships. So um, you'll have relationships which are really profound and locked in, so people who will be deep fans. You'll have relationships who are more, which are more transient. You'll have relationships that are, are, are kind of loose in an opportunity. Maybe people who are kind of semi-interested have heard of it, then you have no relationship with some people. And actually, you might have a negative relationship with some people where they actively don't like it. So if if it's AC Milan, the football club, Inter Milan fans will never like AC Milan. They might respect it. Um, so you're looking at a range of relationships. And people share similar things, you know. So humans share more than there are differences. Um, family, life, loves music, things like that. 
So you can look at the drivers of, of what the brand does for people and um, how it connects them, excite them, um, helps them, serves them, gives them information, whatever the thing is. And you tap into that. And then you might have some localization in particular, you know, marketplaces. Clearly, if you're localizing in China, it's different to Finland. But we all share lots of commonalities and it's okay for things to be different. You're looking for an aggregation of ideas which serves many different mindsets as much as possible, but you can't serve everybody 100% all the time. It doesn't work like that. Do you get like a sort of feedback after this uh, these five uh, key stages? Do you get like a sort of feedback? Yeah, right. What What is the most magical moment then that, that you guys have done and you got like a, a complete unexpected you know, feedback from the audience? Well, okay, um, there's lots of examples. Um, okay. So you can research your work. So you, what you want really is a, bal- a balance between intuition and insight. So intuition and data, basically. You can't, my belief is you can't fully research in advance something that people don't know they want yet. Because if you do, you won't ever go far enough to surprise them and create something truly unique. So what you can do is you, you can have an assumption based on informa- inputs and information and then test those assumptions against the audience and see how they react. So we do test our work as we go along. Um, but what often happens is we'll work on a project with that assumption, look at that, and then you release it. And there will be a change state in the brand or its relationship with people. So when we rebranded AC Milan, um, they, they, they were a great football club, an Italian super giant, uh, a very famous brand. but. They needed to connect to audiences beyond the stadium in Milan and, and somebody in Malaysia who might wear one of their jerseys but never actually go to the stadium. So you're looking for different types of relationships. And since we rebranded them, there's been a, a larger uptake of fans. Um, they've driven more revenue. They uh, have moved from either number six or number 10 in the world to number one in China and number one in uh, America in terms of um, European uh, Italian clubs, so this, they're kind of like basic metrics to say that 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 project was a success. Um, but often it's just uh, feedback. You see somebody using what you've created, and you see it helps them or it's delightful. And it, it, that's the thing I think is in- interesting that they it just works for people, um, and that's what I care about. So. You know, we rebranded ITV in the UK recently and um, there's a streaming platform and it's an entertainment channel. And, you know, the content hasn't changed, but because we've changed the naming priorities, the design system, the way people interact with it, and this is a team thing, not just us, the whole company does that. Um, They've had 2 billion views on their streaming platform in nine months, which is a massive uptake. I think they're about 25% up on the number of people that are interacting with the brand on the streaming platform. So that means more people are engaged and are engaged longer. So it tells you that the design system and the brand and the elements that have been created um, are doing a good job for them because more people are interacting with it, more people are talking about it, more people are sharing it, and more people are staying with it. So that's the thing that excites me, you know, and it shows the power of creativity and design in terms of helping people and serving people. That probably like a, like it motivates me to hear you that it motivates you. It's it's so, such an interesting space that you 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 act in. Um, you play you play a big role in. 
um, there are other influences on um, on the trends, uh, such as you know AR, VR, AI, for instance. Yeah. Do you do you even you know think about that at all in your process? Well, it depends where it is in the process. So, AR and VR is an output. So, if you climbed a mountain. And it took you a day to do that, and you get there, and it's a beautiful sunset. You might want to take a picture of that. You might want to record data on Strava so you can record the the effort. But it's very unlikely you're going to put a VR headset on at the top of a mountain yeah. because you can see the view for real. But you might be sat at home thinking, "Ah, oh, shit, I'd like to watch an awesome movie." So a VR headset's great for that. So it's contextual. Technology is only useful when it's useful. Um, things like AI, AI are different because they're tools that can actually facilitate the creative process. Um, and in some senses, it's an existential thing for creative people because there's this idea that AI might replace creative skills. Yep. So the way I see it is a pyramid. So the bottom of the pyramid is shit work, commoditized, widgety stuff. And then it's like, you know, okay, systemized type stuff. And then it's the actual design system. Then it's the things that drive the design system. And then it's the ideas that drive that at the very top of it. And the top of those ideas are idiosyncratic, human, creative, inventive things. So I think what'll happen is things like AI, those technologies will hoover up some of the work that we don't necessarily want to do ourselves or some of the more mechanical things. But currently, there'll still be a requirement for human creativity and ideation to drive the reason for those. And it just speeds up the process. So we might use ChatGPT or um, uh, things like that to help us with writing, but it doesn't replace our perspective, our opinion, uh, or what we want to write. It just helps us research and speed that process up. So that's how we look at technology. Right. Yeah, it's, um, it's a good positive way of thinking about it uh in terms of that it's not it's replacing the shit work instead of replacing the um, the ideas yeah and it'll also replace people who are derivative so mm-hmm. it, it, it's it's dangerous if you don't um push the envelope if you're not inventing and learning and adapting that's what i want to ask you we don't know how, i mean i don't know what's going to happen but um I prefer to be optimistic and be part of the change rather than watch it happen. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about that drive um, in terms of ideas. How do you keep on, you know, pushing and, and, you know, waking up in the morning and still, you know, pushing ideas? Like, what 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 is the drive here? <laughs> That's an interesting question. Why do you think that that would, wouldn't be the case? <laughs> um, is that is that an age thing? Because I'm older that I would run out of energy or ideas? Or? Well, because, I mean, if I talk about myself personally, like I do have to go to the gym so I ca- in the morning so I can be on my best to be on a podcast such as this to, you know, have yeah. good conversations. Yeah, you feel good. Yeah, so that's that's my drive. Like it's the gym, you know, getting the, the blood uh, yeah. in the stream. Yeah. But would you stop doing that later? Yeah, that's a good question. It's um, yeah, it's 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 a good question. Well, I mean, yeah. the reason I ask is it's it, I just find it an interesting question. I, I get asked a lot, which is, what keeps you going? It, it, it's the human condition. It's it's uh, I'm 54 now. Um, I still go to the gym. 
Um, but I still I think like I'm 19. So as I've aged, I've I I don't think I don't run out of ideas. I don't stop what I'm doing because you remain active. You don't run out. If you're a creative person, you don't. There's not a finite amount of time that you do that. So I'm always interested why people ask that question because. Um, there is no redundancy to being a creative person. You can create as long as you want and you can be as relevant as you want if you uh, collaborate with the right people and you continue to learn. So the, the thing that excites me and it always has done is tomorrow, which is I take all the knowledge I have and the skill and anything I've picked up over the years, then I use that to make something new with it. And that makes me happy. I like creating for a living or creating the space for other people to create. So. I never actually think about the idea of not doing that, if that makes sense. So, so that's why I was asking the question. Yeah. No, I mean, it's a, it's a great question. It's a, it's a great answer. Um, even now, still thinking about, you know, to answer my own question. But I think also, like, for, in my case, it's the podcast. Like, I get really excited to talk to, you know, people like you. That makes me excited. But it's also, like, something that you build your your pipeline, let's say, for your own create, creative uh, process. Yeah. That's, exactly. that's similar. That's similar to the podcast uh, here. It's uh, it's something that that we have done ourselves. So yeah, I, w- I would love to. You know, it's it's. Uh, it was really really a pleasure to talk to you, man. Like I didn't I didn't I didn't know that much about Brandon until I've talked to you, and and it's so excited about you know the fact that you are excited about it. Um, appreciate your time. Thank you so much for 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 joining this episode. You're very welcome. Thank you. Mm-hmm.